I can't really say it any better than that, but good morning and welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. My name is Tara, and um, it's an honor to worship with you this morning, whether you are here in person, maybe you're watching online today. And uh, if you are online, we really miss seeing your face. So please, when you're ready, we would love to have you back in community with us here at the church. Great things happen when we are kind of shoulder to shoulder or shoulder, chair, chair, shoulder, apart from one another. And we're worshiping together and we're honoring God in that capacity. So again, thank you for being here and uh, worshiping God this morning and learning about him. It's a really big deal. We take it seriously, but we also like to have a lot of fun in the meantime too. So before we get started, just a few quick announcements. You know, we have a lot going on at this church and summer is almost here. I hate to even say it, but it is. And so there's a few quick things. Vacation Bible School. We've been talking about it for weeks, but it's so important that you get a little boldness and invite people um, in your neighborhood or at your work community, just extending that invitation to their kiddos because that might be the thing. That might be the thing that changes that family. Maybe it changes that kiddo to start asking questions and the seed has been planted. So pay attention to the dates. Also want to let you know, um, in the lobby, you know, you, it's been out there for a while. It says the DIY, it's the big wooden kind of structure out there. And that stuff is there so that you can grab something for you and your family just to do together as a family. It can be with your grandkids or a niece or nephew. It doesn't have to be your immediate kids. Um, but grab something. Go take a peek and see what it is. It's meant to bring you and your family and friends kind of together to do a fun project. So check that out. And then two trips I want to highlight. One, the guys are heading to Colorado, uh, August 3rd through 7th. Take a peek at that. And it's boys and men of all ages. I think it starts at age 12. 12, right? Anyone? Huh? Yeah, okay. So if you have questions about that, <laughs> talk to Cody, our student pastor. Um, you can also talk to Pastor Greg about that. Um, and then the ladies are also going on just a day trip, and the information about that is along the back, and so is a lot of other information. So after service, go back there, check out ways you can serve and ways you can get involved and some trips you can take, all right? I would like to pray us into worship this morning. So if you would, go ahead and stand up, and we'll pray, and we'll get started. Father God, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, thank you for letting your presence be available to us. And it is my prayer that we boldly worship you today and tap into your power and your spirit um, that is here for us. It's an honor to worship you. And um, the fact that we have this immediate relationship with you when we worship is pretty incredible. So I pray for the hearts of everybody singing and learning today about who you are and that um, if there's a change that needs to be made in our lives, you make that very evident to us this morning. And again, just thank you for the opportunity to worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shouted and said, amen. amen.
this out. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you.
so much power in that. Let's hear an amen again. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn and say hi to someone this morning?
trusting God in that way. Um, I just feel like all of our songs this morning, they have a lot of power behind them. And this next song, Breakthrough, it falls right with that. But I, I think hand in hand with the power that we're singing about is our faith. Like they are, they are intertwined. We, we can sing and we can have faith in all this because of his power. So use that as you trust in your giving, but also as we continue to sing this morning. Please come rescue. 
gonna sing another song before we head into a time of communion. And I just, I'm so encouraged by the confidence and the boldness that you are praising our Father this morning. I love that. And I just, I want you to believe in your heart of hearts. And that's what propels your voice to sing a little louder. And not just in song, but in actions, the way we live our life. And we can't do it without Christ. We absolutely can't. We're just going to continue to fail. So that's why I bring that point in right before we head into communion, because that's what it's all about. The fact that he made it possible by laying down his life for us. So if you're listening online or if you're here in person and you have never received this power that Jesus offers, not our power, but his, this this boldness and this energy and this joy, then I invite you to welcome him into your heart this morning, to allow him to be Lord, him to be in control and in power over over you. In this next song, it says that our hearts in his sight before we even took our first breath. And I just think that is so incredible that the creator of all things that has this power, our hearts were in his sight before we took our our first breath. And that was way back when, when he created, he knew that Jesus was our answer and what we needed. So in this, as we sing this next song, I encourage you just to run to his grace. I can't think of a better song to do before communion as we take the bread and the cup that represent his body and we just run to him and he takes care of the rest. Amen. All right, let's sing this out and then we'll pray together and you can take communion. So I'll run to the Father again. 
time running to him or you're just doing it for the hundred millionth jillionth time it's so amazing God that you just open your your arms are there waiting for us and we thank you for that Lord we thank you for that we thank you for your son and we 
pray that we could just, I pray that we, we would just run to you this time of communion and each and every day of our lives, just continue to run to our Father who's loving us. Praise in your son's name, amen. You may have a seat. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, if you're here physically on site or if you're online, we're, we're thrilled that you're with us today and just want to say hello. I've been gone last three weeks. Those of you who are unaware, my name is Greg Montague. I'm the, the pastor of Southwoods and thrilled that uh, I'm here today. I want to say a word of thanks to all of you who've been praying for uh, us, uh, Lori and I and uh, some others from here as well as uh, some others from North Carolina went to Israel. We just got back here recently and we had a wonderful experience. If time and money were no object, I would love for all of us to be, I'd love for every one of you to have the experience of going to Israel. You can't go there. Let me say this. It's hard to go there and to see the places that you see and just walk away 
a skeptic. I mean, it just, it, it's just hard. It's hard because so much of what you read here, you go there and you go, oh, well, this happened right there. And you learn all of these things about, it's just, it's uh, just amazing insight. So I hope that uh, Lord willing someday, uh, maybe we'll be able to do it again, but uh, I hope that maybe the day will come, whether with us or with somebody, you'll have an opportunity to, to go. It's a wonderful, a wonderful experience. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for praying for um, those who got stuck in COVID jail. Some of you are saying, what is that? You're wondering what that is. The, the, way the, the way it all works right now, you got to take a test before you come home. And if you get it in Israel, uh, get COVID, you basically get to, you get to spend time in a designated quarantine hotel. And uh, it sounds lovely, the Dan Boutique. It's a lovely hotel's name. But, uh, and it's actually an okay hotel, but the, the fact is you're, you're cooped up and you're not in America and nobody speaks English, they speak Hebrew, and Hebrew sounds like they're yelling at you. <laughs> and sometimes they are. And uh, so it's just, a, it's just not fun. And Lori got stuck there and uh, she got it. And, and long, long story, I couldn't stay, she had to stay. If I stayed, it could go longer, it, on and on and on, the things that, uh, that, that contributed. So thank you for praying for her. She's home. I just wanted you to know that. She's not here physically on site this morning. She's watching online via live stream. Uh, she's recovered basically from COVID, but she's kind of got that post-COVID fatigue and all of that kind of fog kind of stuff. So just pray for us. She gets her strength and recovers from some of that stuff. So I do want to say a word of thanks to Alex Rebeck, Cody Shepard, and Bob Priest, who all spoke while I've been gone and appreciate each of them. And, and I've been able to, I was able to hear Bob's message last week, but haven't heard Cody's or, or Alex's yet, but I am quite confident. I did hear one thing about Cody's. How many of you were here for Cody's week? How many of you, several of you? I thought about coming out with tear-off pants <laughs> and, uh, and then just at the last minute going, nah, I'm not doing that. Uh, but, you know, so if you missed it, you got to go watch the message. That's what you got to do. It's, it, was, it was quite good, so what I've heard about it. So I have uh, something here that I want to draw your attention to as we dive into this morning's message. Uh, it's lovely. You are familiar with this. This is what we call an artificial flower arrangement, correct? This is what we got going on here. I, I'm sure some of you are wishing it was real. I wish it was real. In some ways it looks kind of real, but it's not, it's artificial. How many of you have at your home an artificial plant, have some silk flowers? Maybe you have an artificial Christmas tree somewhere in your house. Raise your hand. How many of you have artificial? I would just about bet every one of us has something like that in our home. Artificial stuff is literally everywhere. It's everywhere in our world anymore. Maybe you haven't paused to take notice of this, but it's everywhere. In most NFL practice facilities, what do players practice on? Artificial turf or translated fake grass. It's not real. It's artificial, right? What are artificial teeth called? Dentures, we're familiar with that. An artificial leg is called a prosthetic. If we go to the grocery store, we can buy a wide range, like just amazing number of artificial items. We can buy artificial sweeteners, artificial salts, artificial milk products. You may think almond milk is milk. 
Google how it's made. Go, go research how it's made. It's water soaked in almonds with coloring added to make it sort of look like it. You wonder now, I don't understand why it doesn't taste. It's not milk. It's not milk. It's fake. It's fake. So is the soy milk and all the rest of it. You can even buy fake ice cream. Did you know that? I tried some, but I just, before the trip, we were doing some keto uh, stuff at our house, and I tried some of the fake ice cream. Let me just give you a little insight. It's not ice cream. <laughs> some of it's better than others, but it's, it's fake. It's not real. When you ask Siri or Alexa a question in our generation, what are you doing? We're engaging a highly developed form of, hear me, artificial intelligence. What's that mean? It means it's near human intelligence, but it's fake. It's not real. It's a computer. Or if we'd like in our day, we can put on our VR headset, pull out our VR sword and so forth, and we can begin to explore the metaverse if we want to, which is what? Artificial, virtual reality. And if all of that heads in the direction that its creators and founders envision, there'll be whole worlds and experiences, and you can create your own artificial reality that will increasingly become more and more lifelike as time passes. But guess what? It will be fake. It's not real. I want you to hear me. Never in the history of our world, in the history of planet Earth, have there been more artificial fake products than in our day. So we really shouldn't be surprised that artificial, fake news and information and half-truths are everywhere. It just comes with the territory. It's a sign of the times in which we live. Let me read to you an insightful passage of Scripture. It's recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And it's the, the Apostle Paul is talking to one of his disciples, Timothy, and describing to him what, what life in the the days before Jesus returns, what it'll be like. I just want you to listen carefully to this. He says, because just see if it, this isn't the passage, the text for the day, but it, 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 it's insightful. Listen, Paul writes, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. I just pause and should say, this was written 2,000 years ago, okay? So this is like 2,000 years ago. Uh, people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what's good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And then he says this, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Do you know what he's describing right there? He's saying in the days just before Jesus returns, there's going to be a whole bunch of artificial, artificial Christians, fake Christians. I mean, they're going to look like 
they're followers of God, but you know, you, there's no life. There's no life. It's not real. It's fake. It's artificial. In times like ours, what's desperately needed is genuine, authentic, sincere, organic faith, discernment, truth. And let me just say, every one of us needs it. Every single one of us needs it in massive doses. You know, just as marketing and news needs to be fact-checked regularly in our day, in the same way, our faith and our values, our spiritual convictions need to be fact-checked regularly because of the environment that we live in, because our culture is so comfortable with fakeness. I mean, this is one of the great problems of our day is that we're just becoming more and more accustomed to artificial everything. God doesn't want that for your life, for mine. So we're going to begin today a message series that's entitled Fact Checking Your Faith. It's based on the biblical book of 2 Peter. You know, we've been in the first, first Peter, you know, for a number of months early in the, in the year. And as I just prayed about what to do next, it just became really clear with time. I didn't set out this way, and I really didn't think it would be this way, but... but as I just prayed and wrestled with what, what to do, it just became more and more clear to me that I think God really wants us to work our way through 2 Peter because it builds on the other in some ways that you will see if you were with us through that series and if you just think back to what we learned there as we look at 2 Peter. But this passage of 2 Peter is going to help all of us gain some much-needed clarity on what's fact and fiction about numerous areas of our lives. I mean, there's still persecution going on. There's, I mean, Nero's going crazy at the time when, when this Second Peter's written. I mean, it's, it's, it's still a difficult time like it was in the beginning when we talked about First Peter. But this Second Peter is just, Peter is drilling down on what's real, what's artificial. He wants us to understand some of what's to come. And it's just important that we drill down on these things so that, so that our bodies, souls, and spirits are genuine representations of faith in Christ and not just religious forms with no godliness associated with it. <coughs> in the coming weeks, I hope you'll read Second Peter repeatedly. Hope you'll do that. Hope you'll reflect on the passage. Reflect on the, the, the messages that we go through each week. I hope you'll join us on site. I hope you'll join us online if you can't be here for one of these messages. For every message in the series, I hope you'll do this. Not because everyone you're going to go, oh, this is, the, this is the exact message I needed to hear right in this moment. But because what we're going to talk about is going to have a lot to do with you and me not drifting in this direction. Instead, heading increasingly in the trajectory of Christ-likeness. That's really what God wants for us as we live in the times in which we live. So uh, with the rapidly changing times we've got, every one of us needs to fact-check our faith, and this will just help you do that. 
If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open it to the New Testament book of 2 Peter. We're going to start chapter 1, verse 1. We'll read several verses this morning. Hope you'll listen carefully to how to develop a genuine growing faith from God's perspective. Not from a human perspective, but a genuine, godly, growing faith from God's perspective. It starts out here in this passage. There's more that we could talk about. We'll kind of next week will be sort of part two of this message, I think. Uh, we'll build on it, but want to want to dive in right here together, okay? Second Peter chapter one, start at verse one. Follow along with me in your Bible or on the one on the screen. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Let me just say, let me just pause. Maybe somebody that language is unfamiliar with you. When he refers to himself as a slave, it's you got to understand it's a play on words. He's a willing slave. I mean, he's chosen to be a slave a servant of Jesus. And because of Jesus' affection and love, he's, he's captivated Peter, not just for time, but for all eternity. I mean, that's, that's the imagery behind this. And that's why you'll see him and Paul and other apostles, other people speak of themselves this way. He continues and says, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It's just a blessing. He's just speaking a blessing over them here. And he continues in verse 3 with these words, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this <clears throat> by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, he writes, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with gentleness or, or excuse me, with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He goes on and says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in these verses, the Apostle Peter is contrasting a growing Christian, shall we say, with a nearsighted, with a blind one, with, shall we say, an artificial, an artificial Christian, a fake one. And he wants his readers back then, he wants his readers now to understand that God has given us everything we need for living a genuine godly life. We don't lack anything really. We think we do sometimes, but we've really got everything we really need, but we've got to take advantage of what he's already given us. So he tells us 
in this passage three basic facts that are foundational to developing a genuine growing faith. We'll build on these facts next week when we look at part two of this message because the verses that follow describe a few more. But there are three basic facts in these verses that are foundational to developing a genuine growing faith that I want to highlight for you in the next few moments. And my encouragement to you is just kind of do a little internal body, soul, and spirit check, your own little fact check of your soul as we work our way through these facts today and in the coming weeks. The first basic fact that he addresses is this. We're going to develop a genuine growing faith. We've got to sincerely come to Jesus. We've got to sincerely come to Jesus. The implication really is, if you read that Second uh, uh, Timothy 3 passage, is that some come to Jesus, but guess what? They didn't really come to Jesus. I mean, they kind of looked like it in an artificial way, but deep in their soul, it's not real. It's not real. 2 Peter 1, 3 says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, coming to know God, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. How do we come to know God is the pivotal question. And Jesus explains how to one of His disciples in John 14, 6 with these words. He tells Philip, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. Let me just change this. No one can run to the Father. The song we sang. No one can come to the Father except how? Through me. Through me. Through sincerely coming to him. Through me, Jesus is saying. We've got to come to Jesus sincerely. He is the one and only way to know God is what he's telling us there in John 14, 6. And that same idea is echoed numerous times throughout Scripture and other places. So if we're going to develop a genuine faith, it's not artificial. We've got to sincerely come to Jesus. I just want to ask you, have you sincerely, with your whole heart, have you looked heavenward and invited Jesus to become part of your life? Have you asked him to cleanse you? Have you asked him to save you? Have you asked him to fill you? Have you asked him to make you a part of his family? And is the fruit of your life revealing the sincerity of your question, your request of him? No one is going to develop a genuine growing faith without Jesus Here's the point. He is the starting point. He is the starting point of all sincere, genuine spiritual development. I'm not saying that you can't have some spiritual experiences independent of Him. I would warn you that they could be dangerous. You lead you to places that you don't want to go. Entities that you don't want to be around. Experiences you wish you forgot, could forget. But all genuine spiritual development that produces goodness and godliness and the fruits of kindness and love and gentleness and self-control and tender-hearted affection and all these kinds of things, that kind of fruit begins 
begins with Jesus. Will you invite him in? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, the church I grew up in said blank was the beginning of spiritual development. I just encourage you. If I told you something else, you need to run from what I'm saying. You understand? I don't care what your parents said, what my parents said, what your church said, what my church said. It does not matter because guess what? The organic, again, what are we doing? If we're going to be real and not artificial, we have to get back. We have to get back to what does the scriptures what do the scriptures tell us? Sincere, genuine spiritual development begins, the starting point is by coming to Jesus. Everything else builds on that foundation or collapses because it's not on that foundation in time. So will you invite him in? Peter wants us to understand that everything we need for living a genuine godly life comes from him. But there's a second basic foundational fact that's essential to developing a genuine growing faith shows up in today's text. The second basic fact is this. We've got to sincerely trust God's promises. This is key. We've got to sincerely trust God's promises. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 tells us this. Because of his glory and excellence... He, God, Jesus, has given us great and precious promises. Listen to what it says. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I want to ask you, would you like to share in God's divine nature? Would you, would you kind of appreciate that? Would, would that be something that's valuable to you? Are you interested? Maybe you're not so interested in that, some of you. But you think, would you like to escape the world's corruption? If you want to, those two things in your life, either one or both, what are some of the great and precious promises that you need to pay attention to? The text is saying you need, to, you need to trust, you need to embrace some of those promises. What are some of those promises? You, the Apostle Peter is clearly thinking of some, and I spent some time thinking this week, just what, what are a few? What are a few of the promises that he wants us to be thinking of here in the text. And just let me just highlight a few of them for you. There are a bunch of them. John 5, 24. Jesus promised this. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, who trust, it could be translated that way, who trust in God who sent me, they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. Does it say that they will pass from death and life? What's it say? No, it says they have already passed from death to life. Now, my question for you is, do you trust this promise? How much do you trust this promise? See, some of us say, I agree with the promise, but agreeing with it is different than trusting it. Because if you trust what Jesus says, it will wipe out fear of death. 
It will wipe out fear of judgment. Why? Because you'll never be condemned for those sins. Which doesn't lead you to become cavalier about sinning. It just would lead you to be even more grateful, even more appreciative, even more thankful for who Jesus is and what he did for you. If you really trust what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 24, it leads you to greater boldness. Because guess what? People can kill your body, but they can't kill the real you. The eternal part of you. And when the body dies, you die knowing that one of these days to the shock and horror of those who hate you, you're going to come out of the grave just like Jesus did. You see the difference? We can agree that what Jesus says is a nice thing. It's a whole different matter to trust what he says and live according to that. The difference between artificial faith and sincere, genuine faith is learning to trust in these promises. They are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Another passage, another promise that Jesus makes. Matthew 6, is telling his disciples, he promised this. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How many of us hear that and we think, man, I, I believe that to be true. I, that's a nice thing that God says. But do we trust what he's saying there? How much do we trust that? Because the more we trust this, what's it do? It wipes out fear that we won't have what we need from a provision standpoint, right? Some of us are just consumed by a fear of lacking something. And we make decisions on the basis of that fear. What's happening? What's happening? We're held captive. And the more that's true of us, the more areas of our lives where this is true, our faith over time becomes artificial instead of genuine. That's why Peter is saying, these promises enable you, they empower you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. We need to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and trust that he will give us everything we need. You know, if our world continues on the trajectory that it's on, guess what? We're going to get to practice this in ways that maybe we didn't hope to someday. We need to, need to embrace and trust these promises. Matthew 5, 19, Jesus promised this. He says, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments, speaking of Scripture, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands, the text says, Jesus says, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Do you trust that promise? Do you trust that promise? See, to the extent that we trust that promise, we know it sort of weakens fear of living a life of insignificance and making no difference. 
Because what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, if you believe, practice, and teach these things, even you do that, you may not think you're important, but the day is coming when you will be announced and proclaimed as great in the kingdom of heaven. The more we trust these promises. Do you see what I'm saying? See what Peter's trying to get across to us. These promises enable us, empower us to live in a way that's Christ-like that will not fundamentally happen any other way. It just won't. One more promise. Matthew 7, 7 and following Jesus promised, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He continues, he said, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? As we learn to trust a promise like this that Jesus is making, it'll wipe out fear of being overlooked. It'll wipe out fear of being ignored by God. It'll wipe out fear in some key ways in our lives. I hope you're getting the point that to the extent that you and I come to trust these and other promises like them that Jesus gives... They will enable you and me to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. They'll make it possible for us to develop a genuine, growing, Christ-like faith. And for that reason, the Apostle Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond, to respond, to act on God's promises. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And he adds, the more you and I, for that matter, I'll add, grow like this, the more productive and useful you and I will be in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. In light of what he just wrote there, do you suppose it's safe to assume that God expects Christians to grow? I mean, doesn't it just seem that that's sort of like you're a parent, you have a child, you have a baby. You just sort of have the expectation, right? That they're going to grow. And what do we do, physically speaking, if you have a child and he or she is not growing? We get all worked up really fast. We start seeing doctors and we're willing to experiment with medications and do all kinds of things in an effort to try to, because this is not a natural state, non-growth. 
Scripture is trying to convey the idea that spiritually speaking, same thing is true. Hear me on this. Is this thing going to grow? No. Artificial things don't grow. They just sort of sit there and collect dust. God wants us to understand. His expectation is that our faith is a growing, expanding, challenging kind of thing for us. And if it's not, something is wrong. And let me just say, it's probably not all of that out there. There's something wrong in here, within. Maybe I've never really come to Jesus. Maybe I've just never really begun to trust God's promises. Or as he goes on here and just sort of says, maybe I just need to work a little harder at my faith development. Maybe I need to be as intentional about my faith development as I would be about developing a business or planning for retirement, planning for some other area in my life. I need to reorder some things in my life. Do you notice this general sequential path of faith development that shows up in these verses? It's there in 2 Peter. He talks about supplementing your faith. I've read it a couple of times here, and I've kind of done that on purpose because I want it to just sort of, I want you to notice it. You know, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Sincere growth of the kind God's looking for in our lives doesn't just happen. It's, there's a process to it. You don't just wake up and, oh, I'm spiritually mature. In fact, anybody that that sort of happens to them, that ought to be its own indicator. Something artificial is going on here. Okay? Something fake. Because the real thing is a process where morals change and knowledge expands and self-control is something that's developed with time and the work of the Spirit in your life and you learn to patiently endure in that process and as you do that, godliness begins to develop because suddenly you, you figure out I can, part of the endurance is I can be good even when it's painful. No longer do you tolerate being hangry anymore in your life, you know, where you're angry because you're hungry. Because suddenly now you realize, no, I need to learn to be happy when I'm hungry and kind when I'm hungry, generous when I lack and on and on. Do you follow with me what, what scriptures are trying to say? This is spirituality on a level that's genuine. It's real. It's not fake. Every one of us who comes to Jesus trusts in the promises of God and as he goes on to say, works at faith development can get there with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. 
That's why Peter begins in verse 5 by saying this, kind of the third basic fact. We've got to work at faith development. He says it this way, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. The implication is, guess what? You're not going to drift into spiritual maturity. Just not. Not going to happen. He adds in verse 10, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things. It's, just, he doesn't, it's interesting to me. He doesn't say just believe these things. What's he say? Do these things. Act on these promises that we see in Scripture. Act on them. And you will never fall away. Implication. If we ignore these promises, all bets are off. Are you with me? Do you follow? Do you, am I making this up? No, this is right here in the text. And he adds, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, hear me clearly. These verses are not saying that you and I somehow earn our way into heaven. And some people read these verses and drift off on that. And they miss the whole point. They miss the whole point. What these verses are trying to convey is that genuine spiritual growth is always going to require genuine effort, work, and action-oriented faith. But in the end, it's going to be worth every ounce of effort or sacrifice or endurance or hardship or whatever was required to develop genuine faith. Because according to Scripture, for those who have developed genuine faith, there's going to be a rich, welcoming reception. There's going to be a grand entrance into heaven for everyone who's developed a sincere faith in Christ. And Christ's eternal kingdom is going to be filled, think about this, with unlimited, authentic peace, joy, happiness, love, and our righteous, loving God will be the unrivaled ruler of heaven. And all of our neighbors in heaven, guess what, are going to be people whose lives were characterized by faith, goodness, kindness, gentleness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly affection, and love. All your neighbors are going to be like that. No need for homes associations in heaven. Right? Nobody's going to be self-centered and just egotistical and do weird stuff that's going to wreck the neighborhood, right? There will be nothing fake or artificial allowed in heaven. So our job right now is to begin preparing ourselves for that day. By coming to Jesus sincerely by trusting in God's promises sincerely. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not some naive thing here. I'm not saying that it's always easy to trust God's promises. It's not easy, always. It's not, it's not. Why do you think the Apostle Peter says, work hard at responding to God's promises? Why does he say, Work hard at this. Because well, it's not effortless. You're not going to drift into that. So we start fact-checking your own faith now. 
So there'll be no surprises when Christ returns to us in the near future or when you go to be with him one of these days because your heart stops beating. Now's the time to do the fact-checking of my soul, my body, soul, and spirit. So much more could be said from these passages and will be said of other passages in the coming weeks as we work our way through 2 Peter. I hope that you'll just take this seriously. I hope you'll wrestle with it um, because I think you and I will benefit greatly. I think God's hope is, my hope, our hope ought to be that we'll become less like this and more like a beautiful arrangement of genuine flowers that are fragrant and growing that speak of life. That is your destiny. That is who you were made to be, you and me. That's what God's dream for us is. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to wrap up this morning with prayer. Maybe you need to invite Jesus into your heart and life. Do it this morning. I, mean, I just encourage you, open your heart to him. Maybe you need to be baptized. Baptism is an expression, a physical expression of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when you participate in it, you're identifying with him. You're sort of dying and being resurrected with him is the picture on a spiritual level. If you've never been baptized, you need to do that. And again, not whenever you get around to it, you need to make that a priority. Just act on it on the basis of the promises associated with it. And there are many in Scripture. Maybe some of us this morning need to trust some specific promise of God. As I was talking about the promises section, you had a promise stick in your head of like the Holy Spirit was just saying, I've been talking to you about this promise. You've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. And you've been stiff-arming him. Maybe, maybe today you just need to roll up the surrender flag and just... Just decide that even though it's not going to be easy, you will trust. You work hard at faith development in that area. Promises of God are that if you and I will do this kind of thing, He'll enable us to participate in Christ's divine nature in this world in ways that won't happen any other way. And it'll help you and me to escape the corruption of our world caused by evil human desires. We all need that. Let's bow our heads before I pray. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit and just invite you to join me. And the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to each of us this morning, to me this morning, right now through this message? You spoke through Peter. You're still speaking. What do you want to say to me? Just listen for a moment. Then I'll pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you are real and that you care about us, that you have a plan that's good for every one of our lives. Part of that plan is for us to become genuinely, sincerely like Jesus. That is your plan. It's not about just agreeing with him. 
It's about because of his shed blood and sacrifice that we become more like him. Truly good and virtuous to the very cores of our beings. We recognize that apart from what he's done, that would never happen. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, and we ask that you'd fill us with your spirit. That you'd make us want to trust the promises that can bring about that kind of change. And Father, give us the power through your spirit to actually trust them, to trust you. And to just see, try it and see if it works. That if you are a God of your word, if you are good to the core of your being, as you have said in your word repeatedly. Lord, you know I can pray that way because I know you are good and we know you are good. We believe. Help our unbelief. And we'll give you the credit for the good that results as a byproduct of that. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, wherein you've spoken to us things that are clearly Christ-like that you're prompting us to, to act on, would you give us courage and faith to do that? We'll give you credit for the good. But may we reflect on these things and may we stay engaged in this series because of all that you have to say to us in the coming weeks through your servant, through the Apostle Peter, through your spirit, your Holy Spirit who prompted him to write these things. Go with us now, Lord. Be with us. Guide us. It's in Christ's name that we pray and lift this prayer. Amen. Bless you all. See you next week.